0: Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Manpreet and welcome to Through the Noise. Now, the middle of next week, we celebrate Albert Einstein's birthday. Now, quite fittingly, it's also celebrated as the International Ask a Question Day. You don't need me, of course, to tell you that asking questions has been an important component of developing our understanding of the world around us. But as financial market investors, asking questions is perhaps one of the most important things we can do. Now, last week, of course, there were a lot of questions uh, that got raised in financial markets. Fed Chair Powell's testimony to Congress helped shift market expectations um, and the question of course is what that means uh, for investors and our investment picks but we also had significant policy events in China and some emerging concerns in the US financial sector. Now to ask the undoubtedly many burning questions around these topics today I'm joined by Raymond Cheng our Chief Investment Officer for North Asia. So hi, Raymond. Welcome uh, to today's show. And uh, look, in the spirit of Ask a Question Day, I have uh, quite a lot of questions to ask you today. So first off, maybe let's talk about China's NPC. Um, as I'm sure you'll agree, it's a key policy event.
0: But for investors, what do you believe are the most important takeaways? <laughs> sure, memory. The NPC meeting announced this year's GDP target at 5% and a modest headline budget deficit at 3% of GDP. These NPC growth targets at the outset underwhelmed those investors who had hoped for an above 5% GDP target. Now, um, in fact, we would characterize this year's targets as conservative but prudent in light of the challenging economic and geopolitical environment facing China. That said, we do see a reasonable level of likelihood for China to exceed the 5% plan. If we include carryover and fiscal stabilization funds as deficit financing items, the board deficit this year would rise to 7.5% of GDP, as opposed to 5.9% last year. Now, this 1.6% additional fiscal impulse, which has laid into an incremental 0.8 percentage point boost to GDP growth this year. Now, what's important also is the Chinese authority's strong focus on the quality of growth as opposed to the quantity of growth. China is geared towards stimulating domestic consumption and advanced technology. By maintaining fiscal discipline, investments will be targeted into strategic industries, to name a few, semiconductors, artificial intelligence, robotics, energy security and defense. This is an effort on China's part to strengthen resilience against domestic challenges such as aging demographics and a shortage of workers, as well as external factors including geopolitical tensions and supply chain disruptions. From an investment standpoint, China's pro-growth policy stance this year supports our preference for Asia-ex-Japan equities, and within that, China equities. It raises the probability of outperformance of China onshore equities to offshore equities in the near term. Onshore A-shares are more leveraged to potential policy beneficiaries and domestic growth. Also, the onshore market is less prone to global fund outflow due to geopolitical tensions or global recession concerns. Now, going back to the strategic sectors we highlighted earlier, many stocks in semiconductors, AI, automation, and defense are listed in the onshore equity market in China. Therefore, we expect the earnings growth outlook of A-shares to see support at around 20% this year, surpassing that of offshore China equities in the low teen range. Setter-wise, we are overweight on communication services and consumer discretionary, which would benefit from a consumption-driven rebound. As for bonds, which are our preferred asset class compared with equities, the modest decline in China government bond yield post the budget announcement supports our positive stance on Asia-US dollar bonds. As inflationary pressure remains subdued in China, This allows the PBOC to keep monetary policy accommodative. This is in stark contrast to the developed markets facing persistent inflationary pressure and upside risk to interest rates.
1: Uh, Thanks very much, Raymond, for for that detail. Uh, Now, moving on to the other key event, of course, was how Fed Chair Powell in the U.S. shifted market expectations on the likely path of Fed policy rates. in your view, do you believe investment-grade corporate bonds are still attractive in the context of this new guidance and
0: where market yields are today? Yep. The, the crush of Powell's testimony was his intent to speed up the pace of rate heights towards a higher terminal rate, if warranted by economic data. Now, We have seen two major reactions coming out of the bond market since then, The first, short-term maturity bond yield breached the 5% mark for the first time since 2007. Second, yield curve inversion deepened, with the 10-year, 2-year spread dipping below negative 100 basis points. Now, we believe quality bonds offer more attractive risk-reward than cash at this juncture, as developed market investment-grade rated corporate bonds pay a premium over cash. Also, These IG bonds are more sensitive to a change in yield. This offers better upside when the Fed policy direction reverses. An interesting data point is that since 1940, there have been only four occurrences of the 10 year, two year spread below negative 100 bits. In all these four episodes, there was either already a recession or a recession within the next eight months. Note that any revival of um, re- recession expectation would lead to a reversal in the Fed policy and add upside to IG bond prices. All right. So
1: extending that question about central bank guidance a bit, we also had arguably more dovish guidance from central banks in Canada and Australia. Uh, how does that impact your view on the US dollar, Canadian dollar, and the Aussie?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Powell sounded uh, quite hawkish in his Senate testimony, but did highlight the need for data dependence. Stronger employment and CPI prints in the coming week could push the DXY Trust to 107.1 resistance level, but we struggle to see catalysts for strength beyond that. We would use any dollar bounce as a chance to sell and move into the euro. Now, as for the Canadian dollar and Aussie dollar, The Bank of Canada left interest rates unchanged for the first time in nine meetings. A prolonged pause could push the U.S. dollar against the Canadian dollar to test the year 2022 high of 1.3977. In Australia, the RBA hiked rates by 25 bps, but Duffish comments from RBA governor led the market to sharply lower rate hike expectations. The Aussie dollar against the U.S. dollar could trade in the 0.66 to 0.68 range, as the widening interest rate differentials could offset any benefit from China's recovery.
1: Okay, now let's broaden out uh, this conversation a little bit. Now, uh, Mm -hmm. moving from FX and policy, of course, um, to equity market exposure. So a lot of our investors still have sizable exposure to the U.S. tech sector. Given what you've just discussed on the policy front in the U.S. and China, what would your advice be to investors that already have sizable U.S. tech sector exposure?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed, year today, um, the U.S. technology space has done quite well, mainly on resilient U.S. growth and company-specific cost-control efforts. The valuation for the group now looks elevated at 23 times price-to-earnings, above the historical average of 20 times when earnings growth is below historical average at only 0.4% this year. Therefore, it's time to be selective on U.S. tech. Now we favor areas enjoying secular tailwinds, like cybersecurity and semiconductor names linked to AI and ChatGPT. All in all, we recommend rotating into Asia's japan equities, especially China that is attractively valued with a greater assurance of earnings growth profile this year.
1: All right. And finally, um, look, just one, uh, perhaps briefly, I know we're still getting more information, but we had some report overnight of some concerns and stress over a specific regional U.S. bank. Uh, At least in terms of signposts, what should investors be keeping a watch on in the coming days?
0: Sure. Well, to start off, um, this incident is clearly a consequence of aggressive monetary tightening in the U.S. over the past year or so. While our base case is that this does not translate into a systematic financial crisis, we observed that the large U.S. banks saw a 3% decline in deposits so far this quarter. The situation bears watching to see if other banks in the U.S. would face similar challenges as well. Given this, we reiterate our view of the dollar to weaken 12 months out and maintain our neutral stance on the U.S. banking sector. Even without assuming a worsening of the situation, um, this incident serves as a good reminder of our investment strategy this year of building a safe foundation by, one, securing yields via quality bonds, two, allocating to long-term value assets, three, fortifying against downside risks, and four, expanding beyond traditional asset classes to diversify our investment portfolios.
1: Okay, well, thank you very much, Raymond, for for today's discussion. We'll sort of take a pause there. But if I can just sum up for our listeners, um, I I guess what I took away from today's conversation, first is that in terms of policy outcomes from China's NPC uh, do appear consistent with our preferences for Asia-Japan equities and and of course, Asia-dollar bonds. Second, of course, is, you know, when it comes to U.S. technology sector exposure, uh, you'd, of course, prefer, you know, more focus, more selective exposure and possibly even some rotation into our preferred uh, AJAX Japan equities. And third, when when we think about the weather from the Fed policy outcome or the risk side, uh, clearly high quality bonds or income more broadly uh, is a theme that comes out very, very strongly this week. So we'll end the podcast here. Uh, Thank you again, Raymond, for your time today. Um, And thank you, listeners, uh, for listening in today's podcast. Uh, We'll end it here. Have a great weekend ahead and we'll speak again next week.
0: Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.